You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today we're talking about the work habits of self-made millionaires. As a coach, you probably know about the power of keystone habits, but did you also know that self-made millionaires share some of the same keystone habits that helped to propel them all to success? Well, this fourth episode about business and revenue growth really highlights the importance of daily health-based routines and other routines as a foundation for you to show up with the right energy, mindset and well-being to achieve success more easily. And so today we're going to talk about five of the habits that millionaires have in common and how to get started with your own success habits. So it's no surprise that being healthy and having healthy routines is the platform for business revenue and growth. Absolutely no surprise. And if you think about it, how you treat yourself and what you do has a profound effect on your mood, your attitude, your energy, your health, your sleep, your stress, and therefore your ability to show up and do your work well, even on the hardest days. You know what it's like when you're feeling sick or you're feeling run down and you think, oh, I've got to get up and see my clients. I've got to get into the mood. I've got to get into the headspace. Or you're thinking, oh, I'm feeling so flat today and I've got to post on social media again. Oh, I just don't feel like it. Sometimes you get those days. And your ability to overcome those challenges and show up directly affects your business performance and revenue growth. Absolutely. So while we're talking about business growth and revenue growth, it's easy to think about activities that create those things. But it's so important to look behind the scenes and say, well, what allows you to do the things that create growth, that create revenue? And so that begs the question then, well, what are the keystone habits that could bring you success? It's really interesting that a guy called Tom Corley, who's a financial advisor and an accountant, wrote a book called Rich. He studied 233 self-made millionaires over a five-year study and compared them to 128 poor individuals. And he found some common habits that helped those millionaires to achieve their success. And so this episode is actually on the edge of a bigger project that I'm about to start working on and that I think you'll like. And I'm going to reveal more about this in about a year when I'm finished. For now, I want to give you a hint about my project. And that is that while the points I'm going to talk about today are keystone habits of a bunch of millionaires, not every millionaire surveyed had all of these habits. And so for you, when you're listening to this, rather than just thinking, oh, I have to do the things that are on this list or I should do the things that are on this list, I'm going to encourage you to come up with your own success habits. This is just a guideline. So let's dive into the list of those key habits or at least five of them that I want to cover today. And while you're listening, reflect on how many things that you do already, just intuitively, or some other version of these things. So the first habit is reading. (laughs) Maybe not what you expected. Corley's study showed that 86% of self-made millionaires spent at least an hour every day reading after work, usually on self-improvement books. 
And only 2% of the average income earners, the non-millionaires, were doing that. So that's really interesting. And I love this point because I start my day and finish my day with reading. I wake up in the morning and my husband's still asleep and I pick up my Kindle and I want to start the day filling my head with positive stuff. I typically start the day with marketing and business books. And at the end of the day, I'm into the fiction. And I read for about an hour before I go to sleep. That's how I roll. So just to unpack that a little bit so you get what this is all about and why reading can help you become a millionaire. For me, reading something non-fiction in the morning and something business-related or marketing-related sets me up with a positive, inspired and focused mindset for the rest of the day. I feel fired up and ready to go for work. I feel inspired and I get some great ideas to help me do my day better. And at night, reading non-fiction and even sometimes in the morning helps me to switch off from work if I've been doing too much or I've had an intense day or if I'm feeling a bit fragile, it helps me to get lost in a story. And storytelling is part of business too. So I think even reading non-fiction, sorry, reading fiction is valuable. And really the upshot of this is, is that reading helps you to feel positive. Reading can help you to grow as a person and as a professional. It can help you to engage in stories and storytelling. It can help you to separate yourself from the stresses of life. It also boosts your vocabulary and it helps you to relate to others in a similar way. Now, you might be listening to this and thinking, well, I don't like reading. Fair enough. Maybe you're into journaling or maybe you're into listening to podcasts or maybe you're an ebook listener. Some people don't read, they listen to audiobooks. Work with your learning style. Figure out your jam, your way of growing, developing and escaping using reading or the equivalent. And if you're not into any of these, that's okay too. Maybe this isn't something that you need to do. There are no shoulds. So the second thing that millionaires do is exercise and more specifically, exercise consistently. And that makes perfect sense really, doesn't it? I mean, after a busy day or before a busy day, Exercise gets you up out of bed or it gets you to close off from your work day. It gets you out of your head and into your body. And as a really deep thinker, for me, exercise is so important to separate my busy mind from the real world. Oh, sorry, to get my busy mind out of work and back into the real world to separate myself from work and to get me back into my body, into my senses. Exercise helps you to maintain both good physical health and good mental health. And when you do it, you release endorphins that help you feel good. During exercise, you know what it's like. You get time to think. You get time to reflect and plan, maybe to dream, to process things, to collect your thoughts, and to step out of the day-to-day -day stuff, the, all, of, all of the busy stuff, and into a more reflective place. You also get a chance to blow off some steam and release a bit of tension. Exercise also helps you to get into the habit of setting and achieving goals. It helps you to stay competitive with yourself and maybe others too. And competition is part of business. And being able to set and achieve goals is obviously really important for your self-esteem. So there's so many things that exercise brings to your ability 
to build and grow your business and your revenue. Last week, I went for a 5K run with a friend of mine. It was tough, but there was a sense of this instant gratification when we finished. Because in that 30-minute run, I got myself over the finish line. I even got myself to start, and therefore, I got a tangible result. I felt good. I felt strong. I felt amazing and invincible just because I'd done a 5K run. Crazy, right? But it only took half an hour, and in that half an hour, doing the exercise made me feel amazing. I had a similar experience recently going to the gym. On the way to the gym, I was listening to podcasts that were inspiring and motivating. I got into the gym and I felt the strength in my body as I did the exercises. And I thought, wow, I'm doing something for myself. I feel good. I've totally changed the way I talk to myself during exercise. There's so many benefits. It doesn't matter what the exercise is. For some people, it's swimming. It's really meditative to swim. Also, I think exercise is important because it helps you to get into the habit of creating and sticking to schedules, which is so important in business. It's such a transferable skill. You bring in an element of discipline, both within the workout, like doing the exercise properly and vigorously, and there's also that element of discipline in completing the workout. So discipline and learning the skill of discipline, and I'm not talking about willpower here, but discipline, which is where you've decided in advance that you're going to do something, so important for you for your business and revenue growth because you'll translate that skill into your daily work life. You'll make sure that you do the things that you're going to say you do. So now over to you quickly. Do you exercise? Why or why not? How does exercise make you feel? How does that feeling translate in your ability to run the rest of your day? What are some of the benefits for you in your business and in your life from exercise? There could be some interesting journaling prompts or thought prompts for you maybe next time you're exercising. And if exercise isn't your jam, fair enough. Maybe it's not your thing. Now, another point in this study by Tom Corley was that a lot of millionaires focus on getting good sleep or more specifically enough sleep. So this is a really foundational habit for success in any area of life, I think. And the Sleep Foundation in the US shares a list of recommended sleep hours. And I have a link to that table in my notes for this episode. And those are recommended hours for each age, age group. So adults need seven to nine hours a day to function optimally. And other studies that I know about say that at least a minimum of 6.4 hours per day sleep is required. So Corley found that the millionaires in his study slept at least seven hours a night. And that's so important because the research shows that sleep gives our bodies the chance to undergo a tune-up and recovery. At different times of the night, your body goes through cycles of physical recovery and repair, the processing and the embedding of memories, and mental rejuvenation. And it's no wonder that the amount of time you sleep is linked to success because that sleep and going through those cycles affects your memory, your mood, your cognitive function, and your physical health. Think about the nights when you don't get enough sleep. You're grumpy, <laughs> moody, 
dragging yourself through the day, unable to focus properly, maybe reaching for sugar or caffeine to pep you up, and then you get on this energy roller coaster. How can you run a business when you're feeling like that? How can you show up for your clients? How can you think properly? So important. One other point about sleep is that each person's bedtime is unique according to their chronobiology. And I did an episode on this last year that you might like to listen to. There's going to be a link in the show notes for this one. So how's your sleep and what's the optimal amount for you and what's your best bedtime? Maybe getting enough sleep and regular sleep and figuring out what your best sleep regime is, is going to be really important for your mental and physical stability as a foundation for growth. Another thing, the fourth thing that Corley came up with in his study, and no surprise really, is that most of the millionaires he talked to carved out time to think or to brainstorm. If you think about it, how much of your day do you spend going through micro details and micro tasks? Think about it, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, there's breakfast, you're thinking about what's next. Maybe there's a report to write or an Instagram post to do or a client to see and paperwork and you're just doing this daily stuff. And it's really that we sit back and reflect on life, the bigger picture, our goals, where we're going, whether we're investing time and energy in the right places and going in the right direction. And it's really interesting for me since blocking out thinking time in the week because I don't work weekends and I don't want to think about work too much on weekends. So I do this in the week. I've noticed huge efficiencies in the way that I work. And you're thinking, how can that be? How can blocking out an hour or two of deep thinking time and reflection time create efficiencies? Well, it's because during that time, I have realisations. I make mental links between different parts of my work. And those links and those realisations, those connections that I make in my time out, have saved me spending hours on pointless tasks and on making impulse decisions. Because I've taken the time out to reflect, I get clarity, I get direction and I get focus for my next burst of work and for what's ahead. I see time-wasting traps ahead of time and I can avoid them. And I know exactly what I want so I don't make those impulsive decisions. So my thinking time is usually walking, could be with or without a podcast. Often I start the podcast, I go off into my own thoughts and I'm not even listening to the podcast anymore. That's how it happens. For me, you could have a different version of this. What's your thinking time? When is it? How much do you get of that? What difference does it make for you? Ask yourself those questions and think about whether you need a more intentional practice of thinking or brainstorming time. I think one other thing I want to say about thinking time is that I often get excited about ideas and I have an exercise book called Crazy Ideas and I get these brilliant flashes in a moment and I write them down in the book and I come back to them later during my thinking time. And the reason I do that is because I'm always firing off ideas but only one or two of those hundred of ideas that I have are going to be something that I really want to do. 
So by having a place to write down those ideas and then reflect on them in my thinking time, I'm able to sort out, actually, no, I'm never going to do that. Or that was a bad idea. What was I thinking of? Or, hey, that's something I could flesh out a little bit more. So maybe what you're hearing is by keeping notes about your ideas, you can use your thinking time to evaluate that impulsive feeling, that energy that you have in the moment and to screen out anything that's not really a good idea for you rather than just acting on stuff. The final habit of the five that Tom Corley mentioned, and there were others, but these are the ones that I think are important, are that you are the mean of the five people around you. And what I mean is that Tom Corley says that millionaires choose their friends and mentors carefully. They spend time with supportive people who hold space for them, who have more experience than they do, who are calm and not pushy or overbearing. And the reason I'm calling this the mean of five is because motivational speaker Jim Rowan says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So think about this. If you're running your business or just doing life, how do you do that well? How do the people around you influence your ability to do that well? If your people mix isn't ideal, then maybe you need to make some focused time with the right people for enough time each week to keep your mind in the right place, to be confident, sure, have clarity, feel decisive. This could be even listening to podcasts. So think about who you're surrounding yourself with. Who are the podcasts that you have in your ears? Who's the coach that you'd hire? Who's your significant other? What's your family like? What are the people you work with like? And what's the balance? Are you around a lot of toxic people? And are you putting in enough positive influence into those five people you spend the most time with? And this is something that I've done in the last few years and it paid off in spades. The first thing I've done is to minimise the people and social situations that drain me or don't add any real value to my life and my business and my work. So I intentionally choose to spend time with and cultivate relationships with people who are smarter than me, who are better coaches, who are better critical thinkers, who have different perspectives, who are thought leaders and knowledge leaders. And even in my friendship groups outside of my business, I'm around people who are skilled and talented and who I admire and can learn from and who I can also contribute to. I've avoided all the toxic relationships and people that aren't really my people. And by doing that and by having that filter and being discerning, I know that I'm putting good fuel into my brain. The emotional experiences I have around those people are positive. I'm having impactful conversations and I'm building my mental and emotional energy. And so this is a really important thing for you to consider. If you are around toxic people or toxic energy or people that drain you, you really need to find a way to balance that out. Now I'm not sounding like a coach, but it is a fact. And if you think about Barbara Fredrickson's work, the positivity ratio, it takes three positive emotions to outweigh every negative emotion. So I'm going to put that to you now. Who are you surrounded by each day? Who are the people you spend the most time with and how does that affect your energy? Further, 
How can you reduce your time spent with the negatives and how can you increase your time with the positives? Let me give you an example of this. Let's say you're currently working a nine to five job and there are a lot of difficult, toxic people in your working place that you can't avoid. One thing you could do is say, well, who is positive at your work? Who do you enjoy being around or even feel calm and neutral around? How can you spend more time with those people? Maybe there's an opportunity for you to reframe what's going on at work. Maybe things aren't as bad as you're making them out to be. It's just a feeling that you have because you don't like some of the things you're doing. Is there an opportunity to change your thinking about work so it feels more neutral and less negative? What can you do in your breaks? How can you create positive energy in your breaks? And on the way to work, maybe there's a podcast you can listen to, music you can sing to, a hands-free conversation you can have on the phone. What is it you can do to fill your day with positive energy and uplifting energy with like-minded people? There is always a way, once you've identified the problem, to solve it. And so let's talk about the nutshell of this episode. And really it is that while these keystone habits are great, there's five of them that I've spoken about today, it's really what they allow you to create that matters. Effective habits, the habits of millionaires, if you like, are those habits that help you to feel inspired, invincible, strong, thoughtful, grateful, engaged, in flow, calm, full of zest, rational, creative, de-stressed and empowered, any or all of those. And why does that matter? Well, because when you feel like that, you'll be able to show up with energy for your business. You'll have the headspace to do the boring tasks. You'll be consistent with the tasks that need it, which is so important in business. You'll be putting your best foot forward. You'll be smiling more. You'll overcome the hurdles more easily. You'll be in a growth mindset and you'll feel a fear and do it anyway because you're filling your cup with the positive stuff. So let's wrap up today's episode. The habits that we discussed are based on a study of 223 people. Not everybody, but just 223 people. And we covered five of the habits that Tom Corley noticed in his book. And there are several more on the list. But the real point of this episode is that not for you to just follow these habits, but to know that millionaires are committed to doing habits that work for them and their habits aren't necessarily everything on this list, but their own secret formula. And so as you reflect on what you've heard today, I encourage you to identify the habits that make you feel ready to tackle the world with energy, enthusiasm, and the confidence you need to grow your business and revenue. I hope this has been helpful and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.